0: well good morning church it's good to see everyone this morning we have someone here with a big birthday and we usually don't do this but this is a pretty big birthday so dorothy bowser would you stand i won't say how old you are not going to do that so let's say happy birthday to her ready here you go Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mrs. Dorothy. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Dorothy. Dorothy has. What's that? Well, go ahead. How, how old are you? 84. The reason why I am careful with that because at church we were at in Pennsylvania, I sang Happy Birthday, and I told how old she was, and she gave me this look like, I'm going to kill you after the service. Um, So, Happy Birthday, Dorothy. Dorothy has been a faithful, faithful member here at Faith Bible Church for many years, and so we appreciate all you have done and all you continue to do, Dorothy. So, we come into Christmas. Are you excited? It doesn't sound too exciting, but it is. It's exciting for many, many reasons. But this month we're going to talk about this idea that a, a sign of a Savior, that's what Christmas is about. Would you agree that as we celebrate this particular season, it's been distracted? by many many worldly um entities unfortunately but we as christians understand the true meaning for christmas is jesus we just sang about and it. it wasn't a christmas song but it talked about it's the gospel story of jesus coming living dying rising and he's in heaven at the right hand of the father and what we are waiting for the day where that trumpet will blow and we as the church will be raptured and we will live with him Amen. Yeah, works. I wish it would happen like now, but in God's timing. Well, we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 35 quickly before we go to Isaiah. And this is the this is the premise of our story, the Christmas story. And the angel answered her, this is angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the holy, the Son of God. This is Angel Gabriel coming to Mary. This teenager, probably no older than 16 years of age, being told by an angel that you are part of God's plan now. You will conceive, you will bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. It was an unusual birth. The virgin birth, as we'll talk through this message, is unlike any other birth, birth the world will ever has seen or ever will see. There are many unusual births. For instance, Amanda Miller from Chicago, 39 weeks pregnant, ran the Chicago Marathon. I know ladies are like, that's pretty crazy. The doctor gave her permission to run the first 13 miles and then to walk the second 13 miles. In the middle, right where she's supposed to walk, she started going to labor and her husband came out and finished the 13 miles of the marathon and as soon as of course she crossed the finish line there's a baby there (laughs) came right out or teenager Amy Buck from England has the record of having 20 hours of active labor as a teenager having a child it's unusual or our Dear friend from India, in September of 2019, Mrs. Yarami had twins at 74 years of age. <laughs> what? That's what probably many of you probably would probably say, what? Her and her husband, married 50 years, couldn't have children. Surprise! 74. Our last unusual birth comes from Italy, Pastor Frank. Carmelina Fedile or Fedile had a baby boy, or should I say boy, at twenty-two pounds and eight ounces. Unusual birth I'd all ladies are like, oh my word. Yet the virgin birth of Jesus, no candle can hold the uniqueness of that. There has not been anyone in the world has been born of a virgin. It is medically impossible. We see this in Isaiah 7.14. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. The time was right, the place was right. Everything was perfect. We see Paul said this in to the church in Galatians. He said in Galatians 4, 4 through 5, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. That Greek word there, fullness, means the totality of a period of time. It was God's timing. It was the right time. It was per his will. It was in his timetable that Jesus would be born 2,000 years ago at that time. And as we look at the world at that time, we only have history. We have scripture in in history books to tell us what was happening. But I believe it was the right time because, well, it's God's timing. But look what was happening culturally. I believe it was the right time spiritually. And here's why. During this time, many of the the citizens of Rome were following pagan religions. And history tells us that many of these individuals were done with the pagan religions and were asking questions about this this Messiah that these Jews kept talking about that was supposed to come. So spiritually, there there was intrigue about this Messiah, even among pagans what well, we see it was the right time culturally you know that since the Tower of Babel this was the only time where the world was speaking one language the Greek language from the whole way over from Britain to India down south that whole area as we would know it today spoke Greek the language was unified but well, we see politically also that it was the right time who was in charge of the world at that time Rome Politically, they brought unification to that region. Caesar Augustus, remember Caesar Augustus? The Pax Romano, Roman peace. 200 years of economic, political, and cultural growth. Military, they were stable. There hadn't been major conflicts in that area for hundreds of years. Do you know that the Romans made, created 250,000 roads... 50,000 of them were paved, which, if you would go to Rome today, you would see many of those roads that were built 2,000 years ago. They brought a lot to society. The world was together, they were unified. That was the perfect time. God said, Jesus is going to come here. This is what was happening in the world that Jesus came into. Well, this brings us to our passage this morning in Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah, by many pastors and theologians, was called the Prince of All Prophets. Again, that prophet, he's a major prophet in the Old Testament, the longest of the prophets. His name means salvation. Yahweh is salvation. It was written 2,500 years ago. Isaiah is quoted more, he's the most Old Testament, he's the most quoted Old Testament prophet in the New Testament. 21 times Isaiah is mentioned of what he said, of what he prophesied. Jesus himself quoted Isaiah. Isaiah, here we are, prophesied the birth of Jesus 700 years prior to his birth. So let's read our text this morning. You're going to memorize this verse by the time that we're done this morning because we're going to read through it a lot because we're going to talk about what is happening here. So verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. I want you to circle or underline sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, circle, underline son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I believe we're going to see this morning that God gave his people, gave us thousands of years later, three things to show us there is hope for humanity, there is salvation for humanity, and there's reconciliation between God and man. And those three things, first thing we're going to look at this morning, is God gave us a sign. He gave us a sign. The Hebrew word there for sign means it's a token, it's a signal, it's a mark, in some cases it's a miracle. God was telling the nation. He is telling us thousands of years later, listen, I'm going to show you. You're going to know who is coming. You're going to know why they're coming. I'm going to give you a sign. All of us follow signs, don't we? Well, you're here this morning because you probably followed some sort of sign on the road, right? Did you obey those rules, Andrew, this morning? Okay, good. I'm glad. Very, very good answer. Well, my wife and I, when we were in college, we traveled with a, a travel camp team, we called it, from our college in, in Minnesota where we attended. And we traveled all around the country, putting on music, running camps, sport activities. That's what we did as our job in the summer. So we went the whole way from Minnesota to Washington State, the whole way back to God's country, Pennsylvania. Amen. All right, we ended up at Camp Calvary in High Point, actually, where we have attended as, as teenagers here. And so we were in Washington State, and we were going to drive through the night. And so I said, Y'all yeah, start driving. And so Everyone else was sleeping. There's six of us in this van. It's just everyone else was in the back. I started driving. I drove a couple hours. So I tapped out to my buddy. Hey Steve, you got to jump and you got to drive now. All right. So I fell asleep in the passenger side. We stopped at 7-Eleven. He got some caffeine. We're driving for some time. All of a sudden, he wakes me up. Palmer, why am I seeing signs for California? I woke up. i like, we're going east, not west. Well, clearly, well, we didn't reach this California, which is a good thing, but. We, he did not follow the sign from east to west. He went west instead of going east. Signs are important, aren't they? We follow signs every day. At your job, you probably are looking at signs at your your place of employment that you must follow. What we see here in this text that King Ahaz, God wanted to give him a sign. He wanted to give him a sign of hope for the nation. God wanted King Ahaz a sign, a a sign that he would know the nation was under good hands because Jesus was coming. This son was going to be born. Here was the sign. So as we talk, and we talk about biblical interpretation, we just don't pull a verse out. This is a prophetic verse. So I want us to look about where it is nestled into this chapter of Isaiah. So just let me give an overview. We're not going to go through Isaiah 7 because there's a lot going on here. But in a nutshell, here's what's happening. King Ahaz is the king of Jerusalem. Isaiah is a prophet to King Ahaz. If we remember our Israel history, we understand that God always gave a prophet to the king to try to keep him in line of what God wanted the nation to do. Well, Isaiah was the prophet King Ahaz. King Ahaz was a wicked king. Unlike his father Jotham, has walked away from God. So, long story short, if we remember our history, after Solomon, Solomon had two sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam they divided the kingdom Jeroboam was to the north we see in that text in Isaiah seven he was an Ephraimite so you'll see there in Isaiah seven that Ephraim is north Israel and Rehoboam he took the southern nation which included Jerusalem so that's why you see here you see north Israel south Israel if you don't know history they were divided at one point of Israel's history so we see here that King Ahaz was the king of Jerusalem now This story can be referenced in 2 Kings chapter 16, the whole story. Again, Isaiah is just pulling a piece of 2 Kings 16, explaining this particular story about King Ahaz. So what was happening was Ephraim, north Israel, and Syria were attacking Jerusalem. We're attacking Jerusalem, and we look at verse two, Isaiah two uh, seven, verse two. It says this: When the house of David was told Syria is in the league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, the heart of his people, shook. Now that Hebrew word there shook means uncontrolled trembling. He continue in the verse, as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Ahaz and Israel and, and Jerusalem were scared to death of Ephraim and Syria because they were coming down and attacking them. They were fearful. Have you ever held, ever seen someone or held someone particularly like a, a, a child when they were scared? and they were like, they're kind of trembling. This is the idea that King Ahaz was scared to death of these two nations coming at him. So what did he do? He turned to God, right? No, that's not what happened. He rejected God. He did not want anything to do with God. Instead, he turned to Assyria to form a coalition to protect Jerusalem from Syria and Ephraim. You say, what's so bad about that? Do you remember who Assyria is? Assyria, let me me give you one other town that kind of puts things in perspective. If I say the, the town Nineveh, Nineveh was Assyrians. Remember the time of Jonah? There was a reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. The Assyrians were barbarians. You could go through history books and, and read what they did to their enemy, what they did to their own people. And here's King Ahaz making peace with the devil. That would be like us making peace with Boko Haram or Al-Qaeda. That's the the correlation we're going to make here. Like, you making a pact with Assyria is like us making a pact with Al-Qaeda. It's not going to end well. Ahaz had the choice to ask um, God, but he chose to go with Assyria. So, back in Isaiah 7, we see here this story. Isaiah went with his son and went to King Ahaz and said, hey listen, don't worry about Ephraim, don't worry about Syria, God's going to take care of them, they're going to be nothing, they're going to be nobodies, don't worry about them. Now, King Ahaz did not listen. Verses 10 and 12 is what really gets me. God himself speaks to King Ahaz. You know what he says to King Ahaz? In a nutshell, he says this, listen let me give you a sign, ask for a sign from as high as the heavens to as low as Sheol tell me what you want, I will give it to you I will give you a sign guess what Ahaz's response was please God, give me a sign no, that's not what happened he says, no, I will not test you Lord he rejected God God is telling him no, if, if God came to you, Don is, I want to help you, what are you going to say? Yeah, please, Ahaz like no, I'm not going to test you, I'm not going to ask I'm not going to ask. So now Isaiah turns to the nation. Ahaz has rejected God's sign. So Isaiah as a prophet turns to Jerusalem and says, "Hey, he gives him verse 14." And what's that verse? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. In the midst of conflict, in the midst of struggle, Isaiah gave the nation the sign of the Messiah. I want us to pause here a minute because I think there's a biblical truth here we can truly understand in in our particular life. Are you glad you serve a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances? Yeah. Yeah. Are you glad that you serve a God that is full of grace and mercy? You know what I see here in this particular story? I see God pursuing after a wicked man and still wanting a relationship with him. Giving him another chance to turn. Do you understand King Ahaz was a wicked king? It says in 2 Kings 16 that he actually offered his son as a sacrifice. See, that particular religion was mostly the religion of Moloch. That was a god. They would, they would sacrifice their firstborn child on the altar of Moloch to appease that god. That's the kind of guy he was. And then if you continue reading in 2 second, uh, second Kings 16, he was enamored by Assyria's worship, their pagan worship, that it tells us there in the text that he took... The mode of worship the Assyrians uh, had and brought it to Jerusalem to practice in Jerusalem. This was not a good guy. He was a wicked man, yet God was still pursuing him. What's our life lesson? Listen, don't ever think that individual you have in your mind, that relative, that friend, that coworker. you say, man, that guy, that gal is too far gone. God wants nothing to do, that, do with him. Remember King Ahaz. God pursued King Ahaz to give him another chance to turn from his wickedness. All of us have thought that, haven't we? There's that individual in our lives somewhere like, yeah, man, God's done with them. No, we continue to keep praying for that individual because God is in the business of pursuing. He is the one who calls. His spirit is the one who woos. Amen? Maybe some of us were there. We were walking away from God, but God was in the business of pursuing us like he did with King Ahaz here. So now we see a sign was given to the nation of Israel. How many years past Isaiah was Christ born? 700 years this was a, a, a sign of future restoration for the nation. See, sign after sign, God gave the nation of Israel. And many times, like King Ahaz, they rejected it. But he always gave them a sign. Listen, this is what's coming. This is what's going to happen. Micah prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Hosea prophesied that he would be brought up out of Egypt. And we know if we know our history, Mary Joseph and Jesus moved to Egypt to get away from the edict of Herod because he was killing all the firstborn Jew, Jewish boys. Other prophets said that the Messiah would come out of Galilee or Nazareth. Sign after sign. These prophecies were fulfilled. Do you remember we talked about a few weeks ago out of the 26 or so different divinical books of religions around the world, there's two things that they're missing. Do you remember what they were? One, a living leader and fulfilled prophecy. A living leader or fulfilled prophecy. Whether it be Confucius, whether it be the Quran, whether it be the Book of Mormon, they have neither of these things. Aren't you glad that we worship truth? Okay, there's two people that are glad for that. Aren't you glad, it says in John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And that Jesus that we talk about, his spirit is living alive and well in all of us who know him. That should encourage us and excite us, particularly as we celebrate Christmas and the holiday of which we are in today. The National Enquirer a few years back ran an interview, and they, 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 they talked to about 60 different athletes, movie stars, and, and uh, you know, famous individuals. You know, the people that the words really mean something. You know, that national choir, the news of the national choir, that's always right. You know, you're standing in the shop, right, and you see what's going on, and it's always truth, right? Okay, I'm joking. We know that's not the case. They asked these 60 famous athletes, musicians, and, and, and politicians, hey, what... What do you see happening in the next six to eight months? And so they gave their two cents. You know how many of those came true? Goose egg, zero, zilch. Why? Because they're human. They can't predict the future. Guess what? Prophecies always come true, and guess who they came from? The word of God. Our faith, church, is strong because not because of anything that we have done or what we believe it's because it's the very word of God we must understand that the Bible has it all the Bible can be trusted because it's the living word of God and guess what church that is all we need would you agree that is all we need Young people here this morning, if you're watching uh, via Facebook, I, I need you to understand something. The world around us, you, that, the folks, the young people that are in college or in high school, and even in middle school, you are being undermined in your belief. You may be asked to question the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Why would you believe that? That's impossible. Young people, understand, this is not a fairy tale. The word of God is not a fairy tale archaeologists for years have keep uncovering biblical signs of things that have happened in history and for us we don't need history to prove to us that this is the truth because it's the very word of God and we by faith accept and we believe it but isn't it awesome when they uncover something You're like boom mic drop see it happened it was there see it, it, it bolsters our faith Young people, listen, don't let the world talk you out of what you believe from this book. And the virgin birth is something that's one of the first things they'll tell you, ah, oh, that didn't happen. Virgin birth, like, that's impossible. You know what? Mary and Joseph lived on this earth. They had a son by the name of Jesus who was the Son of God. He walked on this globe that we walk on. Do you know that Moses parted the Red Sea? That happened. It's truth. Young people stand up to truth. It is the word of God. And, and the, the the doctrine of, of, of the virgin birth is something your pastors here, we would die for. If we were told denounce the, the doctrine of virgin birth, it's like, well, well, I can't do that. Because that is what we believe to be true. How about it? Have you really thought about that? That this doctrine of the the virgin birth is something that we must believe in if we're Christians. And why why is that? Why is that? Well, we're going to talk about that when we talk about the second point, which is the son. God gave us a sign. He gave us his son. There's the verse again, Isaiah 4, seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Shall bear a son. You know, Larry King was interviewed years ago. Now, set the story up. Larry King is a Jew. He was interviewed by someone from CNN. I'll stop there. I won't say anything about CNN. Um, they asked him, well, who, would you, wait, who would you interview? Who's the the, the the most important person you would ever want to interview in your whole entire life, in whole history, who would you want to interview? You know what he said? He said, I would love to interview Jesus Christ. And the interviewer's like, What? Why? What would you ask Jesus? And he asked him this one question. Are you really virgin born? And the interviewer is like, that's why? Why does that matter? Okay, Larry King is a Jew. He's learned all these prophecies as a, as, as a Jew, understands what the old books of the prophets say. He said this, if Jesus truly is virgin born, that changes everything for me. That changes everything. And then, of course, the, the, <laughs> the interviewer is like, oh, okay, let's move on to something else. That changes everything for him. See, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, we can't dismiss this doctrine. We hold true to this. Scripture teaches this. I think I would even take it a step further, church. If you don't believe that Jesus was supernaturally conceived in the womb of Mary, I don't know how you can be a Christian. Because if if if, if Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit, if Joseph was his biological father, does that means Jesus was born a sinner. And if Jesus was born a sinner, Jesus' death on the cross means zilch to us. Do you, you see what I mean? We must believe that he was virgin born because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I like what Greg Lawry says. He says it this way. This is why the virgin birth is such an essential teaching. Christ was not God because he was virgin born. He was virgin born because he was God. Let me say that again. Christ was not God because he was virgin born. He was virgin born because he was God. Think about that a minute. Do we just kind of blow off the the virgin birth? Yeah, born of the virgin. Understand what that means for humanity. It had to be this way. It had to go about this way for us to receive salvation. Because only God could do that. You ever thought about joseph during this time matthew one can you imagine your guys imagine your girlfriend your 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 fiance coming up to you and approach you say hey listen I just approached by an angel I'm, I'm pregnant what I me mean, look sometimes we read the, the biblical narrative and we just kind of we just okay blah, 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 but I want you to put yourself in joseph's situation here Guys, what would you do? It says there in the text that he considered these things. That Greek word there, considered, means means to think of various aspects of the situation. I would bet my bottom dollar that all of us guys, if we were put in that situation, we would be considering and thinking about every aspect of this situation. Okay, well, how did that happen? What? Man. What are people going to think of me? What are they going to think of Mary? Do you see where he's going? I mean, Joseph was human. Joseph was put into this plan by God. And I love what verse 23 says, because the angel Gabriel came to encourage Joseph. And he said this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel brings that verse from 700 years prior to prophecy. Here it is. Joseph, you're part of the plan don't worry. This is what's going to happen. And you're part of that Isaiah 7:14 prophecy. See, God gave us a sign a virgin would conceive. God gave us his son. But he gave us that son for the purpose, and the last point is this, gave us the son for the purpose of being our Savior. The purpose of being our Savior. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew one clarifies what Emmanuel means: God with us. See this this this, this nativity here. It's nice. It's cute. We have it in our homes, and year after year, we we just kind of just look at it. It's nice. It's part of our Christmas decoration, isn't it? How many of you have a nativity in your house? If you don't shame on you, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But it becomes part of our Christmas decoration. Should it be more to us than just that as Christians? We, we, we look at this, this baby Jesus, we sing little songs about baby Jesus, but you understand God becoming man, that's our salvation. This is not a Christmas decoration, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And parents, we need to teach our kids when we put this up on Christmas, this is what this is about. This is what it's about. It's Jesus becoming man. 100% God, 100% man, the incarnation. Jesus stepped into the cosmos. He made. We look at Rome, We look at, um, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Here's the the key phrase here, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Here, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, took upon human form as a baby, he stepped into the world he put into existence that's what we need to tell our young people when we put up the nativity in our homes we have an opportunity to to, to, I think I think Pastor Frank this is probably the greatest outreach tool that we have in our homes think about it when people come to your house oh nativity hey did you you know about the nativity let me tell you that story could we do that absolutely we could See, you see, he was human because he came through Mary's womb. But he was divine because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You see, as a man, he represents us very well, doesn't he? He's 100% man. But as God, he is what? He is our perfect sacrifice. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter one eighteen and 19. I'll, I'll read the New Living Translation because I like the way it's, it's worded. It says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. Verse 19, It was the precious blood of Christ, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. If he was not born God, he came to die as a sinless, spotless lamb of God that was prophesied 700 years prior to his birth. Can you see it this morning with me? See this cute little baby? Jesus lived 33 years. And the purpose for this moment in history sin was defeated. We have no fear of death anymore. For us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, yes, it might be scary or not knowing the future, but we know that when we close our eyes on this side of eternity, we will open them in the glories of heaven because of that moment. Sin is no longer a problem. I mean, we still struggle with sin. I mean, the penalty of sin is done. Jesus took that, and at that moment, he reconciled. God, amen, there is now peace. There is now love. Because of that moment, and it started here as Jesus was born as a baby. See, victory was declared. Let's not be like King Ahaz. God wanted to give Ahaz this sign. Church, we have salvation. We know the full story, don't we? We live in a moment in time where we look back and say, "Man, look at all these things that God said and had come to fruition, and they're here and." But sometimes in our Christian faith, we fail to share this story with others who need it. You know, the prophets were waiting for Jesus to come, and he came in his first coming. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for Jesus. Well, as the church, we're waiting for Jesus to come and grab his church so we can be in heaven, and then we come back for his second coming with him. Yeah, oh, wow. Where he sets up his millennial kingdom where we'll rule and reign with him. See, that's, we're, we're in kind of the same situation. We have salvation. We see it, and we're waiting for that future with him. We're waiting for him to come again. How do we live, church? Do we live in the light of that coming? Do we live in the light of that? You think about it. Isaiah 7.14, and in 700 years past, Jesus is born. Hope has come. This morning, we thought we'd put communion in place. Communion right here at this very moment. You probably have. You've hopefully grabbed a, a container. And I want us to think about this this morning as we think about the cross And usually you are thinking about the cross during communion. But this morning, I I want us to think about this nativity here. I want us to think about this Christ child. This is where it started. God coming to earth, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. For the purpose. Think of, of your sin and my sin. This is why he came so that you could have a perfect relationship with God. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to play a song that will be played over the over our system. It's called Communion Song. I just want you to just bow your head. I want you just to just think, I want you to meditate on what Jesus has done in your life for salvation. Remember where you were before Christ. Remember how God called you and He divinely summoned you to where you put your faith and trust in Him. And maybe if you're here today and you don't know Jesus or you're watching and you don't know Jesus, He is waiting for you to call to Him for salvation. He's taking care of your sin on the cross. You just received the gift of salvation. That's all you need to do, to call upon His name. But for us that are believers... This is a time of remembrance for us, remembering this process of Jesus coming as a child, living 33 years for the purpose of dying for the sins, past, present, and future of this world. That's our God. That's our Savior. And that's what he's come to do. Listen to the words of this song, and then we'll continue in our communion.